Welcome to JRoot Radio. This is the Halakha Hour here live on Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 3. We started a little bit late today. We apologize. Today's class on the Halakha Hour will be, we'll be discussing a special subject. We are still in the current events halachot. We're going to be discussing the, the laws of the month of Tevet, which includes the fast of Asada Tevet. It also includes the other fast days, which are, may not be so commonly known. And also, and also we're going to be talking about also, if you, a little bit of Hatzot. And finally, if we have a little bit of time, we'll be discussing a little bit of Halachot of Shobhavim. Let's begin, first of all, with the times. That's the most important thing. There's a fast, Asada Betevet, and the times are tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow, excuse me, Thursday, um, Thursday, yes, tomorrow, Thursday, tomorrow, Thursday. January 1st, the fast of Asala Tibet will take place in the year Tafshin Ayin He, 2014. Well, actually, it'll be 2015 then. And the times for Brooklyn, New York, the fast begins from Alota Shahar until Seta Kochabim. I'm following one specific calendar, and the calendar there is that Alot Shahar begins at 6.23 a.m. I want to point out that this is the latest time for Alot Shahar. We'll be talking about what the halakhot are regarding before and after the fast of when you could eat or what you cannot eat. That we'll talk about it later on. But just as the times, 6.23 a.m. until 5.10 p.m. Shekiah is at 4.39. However, I want to point out that there are other calendars, there are different opinions, and maybe your Rav or maybe your Minhag is to follow these different opinions. And therefore, check, I found times as early as 5 a.m. So we're talking about an hour and 23 difference, an hour and 23 minute difference uh, difference over here. So check with your Rav. Again, the times, that the calendar that we follow is 6.23 until 5.10. With that, we'll come to the Halachot to talk about the month of Tevet. We all know that there is the fast of Asada Tebet on the 10th of Tevet, which is when the Goyim Nebuchadnezzar came in the times of the first Beit HaMikdash and he made a siege around Yerushalayim. And that siege was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. That, is, that siege eventually led to breaking the walls on 9th of Tammuz and eventually to killing out the Jewish people in the city of Yerushalayim, and then finally burning the Beit HaMikdash on Tisha B'Av. So therefore, we commemorate those tragic times with days of fasting. And because this is the beginning of the end, we fast on Asada B'Tevet, which we all know about. That's a fast, that's an obligation for everybody. However, there are other days in the month of Tevet that actually fall out on the 9th, and on the 8th of Tevet, which many people do not know about, I'm going to read for you from Shohan Aruch. Shohan Aruch writes, Maran in Siman Tafkuf Pei writes that there are days that tragic things happen to our ancestors. They happened to our forefathers. And in the history of the Jewish people, these were not pleasant days. And therefore, we should fast on these days. What happened? On the 8th of Tevet, Talmai HaMelech, who was the successor of Alexander the Great. Alexander Mogdom, which Jagmar talks about, he's the one that led this Greek revolution that was able to capture pretty much most of the known world. 
after he died, Talmai HaMelech took over, and then he asked of the Jewish people to translate the Torah for him into Greek. And the Gemara tells us, There was a darkness that was set into the world for three days. And therefore, we have, there's a custom that people fast on that day. It's not an obligation. That means we can't obligate everybody to fast, but it's customary to fast. Now, you might ask yourself, why? What's the big deal? You translated the Torah into Greek. Sounds like it's great. Now we have, people have access to the Torah all over, more than, beforehand, Torah was limited to just the Jewish people. Now that you translate to Greek, you've expanded it even to the you know, Greeks or maybe Jews who don't understand Hebrew. We'll talk about that soon, Razat Hashem. But before that, let's just finish the other halakha and b'tishabo. Maran brings that on the 9th of Tevet, there's also a day of fasting, and it's not known about the tragedy that took place on that day. Two days besides Asarabe Tevet, two days before Asarabe Tevet, on the 8th and the 9th of Tevet, there are days where, according in the words of Maran, Sarot, where sufferings, tragic things happen to the Jewish people, and we have to fast. On the 8th, Talmai Melech asked that the Torah should be translated. And on the 9th of Tevet, we don't know what exactly took place. Let's begin with Het Tevet. Het Tevet, the Gemara says in Masechet Megillah, this king, Talmai Melech, went and he took 72 Talmidei Hachamim. He gave each one a Torah scroll. He put them in the room and he told them, I don't want you to come out of this room until you finish translating this whole Torah into Greek. They are not allowed to have access to each other. Or to anybody else. They have to translate Torah on their own. The Gemara says there was a miracle that took place. Because if you translate the Torah fully, just literally into Greek, there's a lot of things that could be misunderstood. In fact, there's even cases where it could turn into an insult. Talmai HaMelech had a wife that was named... Arnebet, or similar to her name, was very similar to one of the animals in the Torah. So therefore, if they translate, they felt it would be offensive to the king. And there was a miracle, the Gemara says, that somehow all of them were able to change the changes. They all made the changes without consulting with each other. They all made changes exactly the same way. And the Torah came out in his eyes, at least in the eyes of Talmai HaMelech, that it came out to be that looked like everybody agreed upon its translation. But the, nonetheless... The Torah, the Hachamim tell us there was a darkness in the world. And we have to understand how come. Translating the Torah to bring about darkness in the world? We have today many things translated. And here's an important point. The first of all, I want to tell you from the book of our heritage, which is the English book of Sefer Torah. And he says over there a very important uh, idea. He says that you could tell from the actions of Talmai HaMelech of his true intentions. His intentions were not Lashem Shamayim to say the least. He had really evil intentions. Because if he really wanted the Torah to be translated, then get one rabbi to translate. Why are you picking 72 rabbis? And why are you putting them all into different rooms? Let them consult with each other. Any normal book, even a regular book, if you take a regular, take the Constitution, American Constitution. If you want to get the translation, let's say, into Greek of the American Constitution, put two, three professors together and let them consult with each other. Why would you separate them to 72 different rooms? Your intentions obviously were to show the fault. You want to show that, look, they don't agree on the translation of the Torah anyway. It's all a joke. It's all a hoax. So he was planning, he was trying to set them up that they should stumble. Still, nonetheless, Hashem made a miracle and he was able to preserve the, the Kedusha 
the holiness of the Torah to a certain extent that shouldn't be a mockery in the eyes of the Goyim. And he made a miracle that all 72 rabbis agreed upon what the changes should be in their translation. But still, the Hachamim tell us there was a darkness. What's with the darkness? In order to understand the darkness, we have to understand the characteristics of a darkness. Darkness means you cannot see what's really there. The Torah, in the written form that we that we had originally, that means the Sefer Torah, is not the full Torah. True, it says what it says, 100%. But Hakamim tell us straight on, not only that, there's a pasuk that tells us Hashem gave Moshe Rabbeinu not only the written Torah, but He gave them also Torah Shabbat Pei, which means the explanation of the Torah Shabbat Without it, you can't really understand Torah Shabbat What Talmaya Melech did, what he tried to do, and that is that when he translated into Greek, he made it now limited to just the translation. There's no Torah Shabbat Pei. There's no Gematio, there's no Derashi, there's no Derashot, there's no Yud Gimel Aikarim Nedreshet Bahim. There's no Gematrio, there's no Rashet Tebot, there's no illusions. All the Mikubalim work with Rashet Tebot and all these things. Those, the Torah in its original text in the Hebrew contains much more than what's written. In fact, if you look at a lot of the letters in the Torah, there are things that are learned just from the shape of the letter. The primary example is the letter pay. If you look at the letter pay inside the letter pay, you... a bit. How is that? You have to look very cl- to look very closely, and you'll see that the pay is written in black ink. But if you look inside the pay, you'll see that there's actually in the white part of it, in the white part of the letter, it spells out a bit, and that represents that pay represents outside, like panim, which is outside. On the same time, it's Pinim, which means on the inside. Bet is betoch. So that's the idea of the of the Torah Shabbat. It's not only just Shabbat in its original Hebrew. Besides the translations and the gematriot and everything else, even the shape of it tells us much more to what the Torah is. What happened over here is that now you limited Torah to just what it says over here. Now people think that the Torah is only what it says over here. And here, this is in line with the Greek philosophy. We just came out of Hanukkah. And in Hanukkah we learned that the Greeks try to make us forget the Torah. And it's very difficult. How do you make a person forget? And the answer is, you know how to make a person forget? When you get him used to a different lifestyle. You want a person to forget the Torah? Don't take away the Torah because they'll always remember there was a Torah and what it says in the Torah. But if you tell them, keep only certain parts of the Torah, eventually people will think that the Torah is only this. And that's what happened over here. Talmai HaMelech tried to translate the Torah into Greek, and he did translate the Torah into Greek, and now there was a darkness in the world. You can't see the rest of the Torah. You can't see the Torah Shabbat Pei. You don't know what's going on in the Torah Shabbat Pei. And therefore, there was darkness in the world, and that's the way that the Greeks tried to make us forget the Torah, by making us focus only on part of it. And therefore, Maran says rightfully so, these are days when the greatest tragedy is when our Torah is not complete. When people have a mixed up understanding of what the Torah means. They think that's only limited to the, just the text. And that's one of the days that people fast. Another day that people fast is Ted Betevet. On the 9th of Tevet, the day before Asada Betevet. Maram brings down that it's not known which tragedy took place. And those are the words of the Bahag, Gedolot. However, the Aharonim point out, I believe it's a Taz, that we say in our Selichot, 
which we're going to say on Asada Betevet, we say that Ezra Sofer passed away then, and we have in Mesola as well, the Nehemiah bin Hachaliah, which is also, Nehemiah is Sefer Nehemiah, which is known as Sefer Nehemiah, but really is Sefer Ezra. Those two great leaders were the ones who led the Jewish people in coming back in the times of the beginning of the second Beit HaMikdash, coming back to, re- to Eris Israel for the second time, rebuilding the second Beit HaMikdash. And in fact, as Sofer HaChamim tell us, if it was for him, the Torah would have been forgotten. So it goes in line pretty much with these days, coming off of Hanukkah, where we fought for the sake of the Torah, the purity of the Torah, and Het Betebe, when they tries, tried to translate the Torah, to limit the, the, the Torah's definition, and so too over here, Isaiah Sofer, who was the one that basically expounded upon the Torah, he was Dorej Torah, he was the beginning of Torah Shabbat because Nevoah stopped at that time. This all, all these tragedies are at the same time. And that's the ninth of Tevet. Again, the fast days are optional, they're not an obligation, but it is days that are of suffering, and one who can, it'll be a great idea if a person could fast. Of course, making sure that you don't harm yourself in the other way, not physically, or if you're an employee, not to steal from your boss, especially if you're learning Kolel, you got to be careful that it shouldn't weaken you to the point that you can't learn properly in Kolel. Now we move on to Halakhot. Halakhot of Asara Betevet. Asara Betevet, we already mentioned what happened on Asara Betevet. Nebuchadnezzar came with the Babylonians and they took siege of the city of Yerushalayim, which had a tremendous wall, and they laid siege on it for three years until they finally broke through, and therefore it was the beginning of the end. And we fast on that day. Some of the halakhot of the Asara Betevet, let's begin with the time. The time starts at Alot Shahar, dawn, and it goes till Seta Kochabim. And obviously every year you have to check your calendar exactly when it is. For the year 2000. And 15, which is Tavshin Ayn Hay. Next year, actually, we'll have a second Asara Betevet on 2015, right? Because it's 11 days. In any case, the fast begins at Alot Shahar goes to nighttime, which we said already 6.23 until 5.10. If a person wants to wake up earlier before 6.23 in order to eat, there is a mahluk between what the Halakha says and what the Zohar says. And usually the rule is, whenever you have a contradiction or mahlokit between the opinions of the Zohar, which is not brought in Halakha, versus what's brought down in Shulchan Aruch, the rule is, we follow what it says Shulchan Aruch. If a person wants to be stringent, like the Zohar, without contradicting the Halakha, then he could do so. But we cannot enforce what it says in the Zohar. What does what does the Shulchan Aruch say? What is the Halakha? The Halakha is the moment you go to sleep from the night before the fast, you accepted the fast. Unless you make a condition. If you make a condition that you don't want to accept the fast until the time comes, which is Alot shahar then if you wake up before Alot shahar you're allowed to eat. This is what the Halakha says. According to the Zohar, however, once a person goes to sleep, a full sleep, even if it's on his bed, even if he decides to sleep on a table, on the couch, but it's a full sleep already, after Hatzot, some say even before Hatzot, then according to the Zohar, you cannot Eat even if you made a condition. However, even the Zohar will agree that if you want to drink, you could drink. So therefore, those people that need their coffee could wake up before 6.23 or before the time, whenever Alot Shahar may be, and drink their coffee with the caffeine in order that they should get their whatever they need for the caffeine on the day of the fast. And then once Alot Shahar comes, they already begin their fast. I want to point out two Mishnah Beduras. Number one is, Mishnah Berurah writes in Siman Petit, 
that really, you, even though it says you're allowed to eat up to Alot Shahar, but still, you should not begin a meal a half an hour before Alot Shahar. That's what he writes. And some Ahronim want to apply this also by a day of fast. When a person's fasting, yes, we told you allowed to eat up to Alot Shahar, and even though you made a condition, still, you shouldn't eat until that time. Why? Because you're not allowed to have a Sa'udah then. You want to eat cereal and milk, Fine, you want to have um, other things besides mezonot and bread more than a kibitzah. That's a problem. Only mezonot or bread that's kibitzah or more is going to be a problem. Anything else up to alot shahar is fine. So, however, I saw, I think it's Betzel Shud Betzel he brings down, if a person is weak and he needs to have a meal before a fast, and he wants to wake up before Alot Shahar, of course, making condition anytime the day before the fast that he doesn't want to accept until Alot Shahar, he could even begin his Sa'udah within, within the half an hour before Alot Shahar. As long as he stops, of course, by Alot Shahar, if he needs to have it, you could rely on it. The same thing if a person usually is Mahmi like the Zohar, that he doesn't eat after he has his full night's sleep, then you could be lenient in the case where it's a ta'anit, where it's a fast, and you won't be able to function properly without it, to wake up earlier before Alot, to have your coffee or to have your sa'udah. Why? Again, you have to make a condition though. You have to make sure you made a condition that you don't want to accept it until Alot Shahar. Why could you be lenient? Again, the fast is not there to make you suffer or to make you not function. The fast is there that you should commemorate and remember the tragedies that took place Remember the destruction of Beit HaMikdash in order to do proper Teshubah. If he can't function, then we lost the purpose of the fast. So if a person needs to, he doesn't want to be Mahmi like the Zohar, make sure you make a condition anytime before Asadah Beit Tevet, and th- that you're not accepting the fast until Alot Shahar. And then if it's necessary, you need to even have a Sa'udah with bread before the time of Alot Shahar, one can do so. However, you should know, even though this is what Mishnah Bira says, the Kafahim does not bring this halakha of uh, not eating within a half an hour. It seems like he doesn't go with it. And also, but the Kafahim brings something else though, and he says that's preferable that the night before the fast, a person shouldn't stuff himself. Otherwise, he lost the purpose of the fast. But again, we go with the same rule. If eating the night before will help you function, then eat as much as you need. But if eating is just a luxury, it's extra, then you shouldn't do it. This farim bring down that really Asalab Tevet begins from the night. We just don't eat until the morning. But really, the, the day which is designated that we should... Remember, the tragedies that took place in the times of Beit HaMikdash really begins from the nighttime already. And even from them, a person should try to cut down. And Kavahim brings down a person on Asada Beit should be careful also in his business to do it properly. He, the day is uh, a day of Teshubah. And it's not just about not eating. Don't forget about the main thing of the day. The main thing of the day is to do Teshubah. Like the Rambam says, the Rambam says, that the purpose of fasting is that we should be aroused or we should open up our hearts and we should do Teshubah. That's the main part of the fast. And this should be a reminder to our evil actions and actions of our forefathers that, this, that their sins caused them these sarot. So whatever you need to function, you can do. But if it's going to take you out of it, if you're going to have a party and make a big sauda for whatever reason you are, keep in mind, it's still Asar Bet It's 
like a heter, you got to eat it on on Tishabi Av. Imagine a person gets a heter to eat Tishabi Av. You can go eat ice cream and, and stuff yourself. You got a heter to eat because you need to function fine. We don't go stuff yourself. Tonight we have a heter to eat. But we have to take it seriously. We have to be careful that we shouldn't forget the main part of the day. It's a day which is designated for Teshuvah. And that begins even at nighttime tonight. Next, we said that the fast finishes by Tzetek Ochabim. Because the fast is rabbinical, it's only Medera Banan, it's not Medera a person wants to be lenient to consider Tzetek Ochabim 30 minutes, half an hour after sunset. Some are even lenient 25 minutes after sunset. Could definitely do so. If a person really needs it, there are opinions that you could be lenient as early as 18, 20 minutes already after sunset to eat. And those you could rely for those who are fasting that are a little bit weaker, that got weak throughout the fast. If you're pregnant, however, or if you're actively nursing, then you're patur from fasting anyway. So I don't have to say that fast and that you're patur. You don't have to fast. And now that kids also under bar mitzvah and girls under bat mitzvah, which means boys under the age of 13 and girls under the age of 12 should not fast. It's You don't have to be mehanek them. You have to train them. Mehanek them with the more... Uh, severe fast but this one they should not fast once they become 12 or 13 respectively then they should fast regarding that there's a famous Psaq Halakha used to hold that any woman who's given birth in the last two years she's patur she's exempt from fasting however in his later book in Hazan Abadiyah Helik Ta'anit Ta'aniyot Arba Ta'aniyot he retracted that Psaq and he says he goes with what Hakam Etzion wrote and that is that only women are actively nursing. However, both Hakam and Hakam do agree that if a woman who gave birth, even though she's not actively nursing, but she gave birth, let's say, a year ago or half a year ago, and her body still feels weak, and she feels very weak that she cannot fast, then she is exempt. But of course, we always recommend that if you're a person who's usually obligated to fast, that means you're not pregnant, you're not nursing, you're not elderly, your doctor didn't tell you anything, but you feel like you need to fast, you should always run it by a rav. But if you're told by your doctor that you're not allowed to fast, then you don't fast. If you're pregnant and if you're nursing, do not fast. You're patu from fasting. I heard um, one of the rabbis on the radio, what's his name? Um, it's on Thursday morning. He quoted the brisker rav. And he says that if a person who's patur from fasting wants to fast, he has to accept it as a nadir from the day beforehand that he wants to fast. Because he's patur. There's no obligation for him. Hakamim said, you are exempt. You're sick, you're exempt. You're pregnant, you're exempt. Don't push yourself even for a few hours. You're patur from fasting, go ahead and eat. But again, don't stuff yourself. Even though a person is allowed to eat, just like people are allowed to eat the night before the fast, before the fast of Azra Tevet, we said don't stuff yourself. The other halakhot of the fast, the other halakhot of the day, which means doing Teshuvah, inspiring us to think of the history of the Jewish people, why these things befell us, still applies whether you're fasting or whether you're not fasting. Now, some last few halakhot. What is permitted and what is forbidden on the day of fasting? The only thing that's asur is eating and drinking. You're not allowed to eat or drink on the day of ta'anit. That's the only thing that's asur. If a person wants to taste from the food and spit it out without swallowing anything, there is a mahalokat al-maran. 
preferable that a person shouldn't do it. If it's necessary they has to do it or she has to do it, there is what to rely on, but it's preferable that a person shouldn't even do that. Everything else is mutar. Haircuts, shaving, cutting your nails, taking showers, all that is mutar. Even brushing your teeth, making sure that no water comes into your no water is swallowed. Everything is you make sure your head is down and you spit everything out. That's also permitted. The same thing would be with mouthwash. All that is permitted on the day of a fast. Again, the only thing that's forbidden is eating and drinking. Now, in general, smoking is not recommended. Some poskim actually forbid it. But because a lot of people smoke anyway, and they ask, this is a common question, if a person who usually smokes wants to smoke on uh, on the day of the fast, also that is not forbidden as far as the fast is concerned. As far as your health, okay, then already that's for a different discussion. You'll ask somebody else or you ask your own Rav what to do with smoking on in general. Anyway, we go to the last set of halachot regarding tefillah. Tomorrow in tefillah, not tomorrow, well, whenever it is, Asada Tebet, which happens to be tomorrow, 2014, we recite the special edition in the tefillah of Anenu in the Beracha of Shema Kolenu. This is only true, you will only say it if you're fasting. If you're not fasting because you're patur, you're exempt, then you don't say Anenu in tefillah. If you are fasting, then you say it in shahrit and in minha. In the case that you forgot to say anenu, you don't have to repeat amida. The hazan also says anenu. The only difference is the hazan says it as a separate bracha. When does he say it? Right after shema refa'enu. Right, be, excuse me, right before refa'enu. And if he forgets to say anenu, then he doesn't have to repeat it, but what he could do is he can make it up in Shema Kolinu. The Hazan in his Hazara, I'm not talking about the Hazan in his Bragal Amida. His Bragal Amida is no different from anybody else. And as a Hazara, if he forgot to say Aninu, it's the right place, he could stick it in the middle of Shema Kolinu. Of course, he'll finish the Beracha as the way we usually finish Shema Kolinu, which is Baruch Hashem, Shema Tefillah. And he doesn't say the regular text of the Hazara of Shema of, of, um, of Aninu. Brikat Kohanim. For the Sfaradim, we have a minhag that we do Brikat Kohanim on a day of a fast, on Ta'anit, by Minha as well. But who goes up to do Brikat Kohanim? Only the Kohanim that are fasting. Kohanim that are not fasting should not go up to do Brikat Kohanim. This only applies by Minha. In the morning, since anyway they go up to say Brikat Kohanim, so they, you're not doing any special Brikat Kohanim because of the people who are fasting, they could go up in the morning even though they're not fasting. However, the Sefer Torah, since we do read a special reading, we take out the Sefer Torah, we read it by Shahrit as well as by Minha, only those who are fasting should get an Aliyah because the purpose of reading, especially reading the Pashat Vayhal, Pashat Kitisa, is because it's talking. It's a special reading for the day of fasting. So only those who are fasting should get an Aliyah. And the person giving out Aliyah should pay attention to that. Also, our Minhag is by the Sfaradim, is that by Minha we put on Talit and Tefillin. What's the reason? Maram brings in Beit Yosef that the purpose of putting on Talit Tefillin, you gain extra berachot. You make an extra berachot on Talit, an extra berachot on Tefillin. It's a day of a fast. You're not making so many berachot because you're not eating, you're not drinking. So we want to make up as much as we can of the hundred berachot that we're supposed to say. And we put on our Talit and Tefillin. That's a minhag of some communities of the Sfaradim. I haven't seen any Ashkenazim put on Talit and Tefillin by Ta'anit Sibur. We finished the halakot of Asada B'tevet. If anybody would like to call in 
and ask any questions regarding the, the fast, you could call in at 718-683-5858 or you could text at 347-927-8398. We're going to move on now to the second part of the class and that is the Halachot of Tikkun Hatzot. Halachot of Tikkun Hatzot, it's a special, special Halachot. I'll tell you why soon. And it's appropriate to talk about it now because which is the beginning of the Haban of the Beit HaMikdash and the Beit HaMikdash meant so much to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. in fact HaKamim tell us there's a Beit HaMikdash in Shamaim and Kibiyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that as long as my Beit HaMikdash is not built here in Yerushalayim on earth I will not enter the Beit HaMikdash in Shamaim. Hazal tell us that every night by midnight Midnight means over here, Hatzot, according to Halakha. Every night by midnight, HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries over the Beit HaMikdash. The Gemara Masech Barachot says that one time, Rabbi Yosef went into a deserted area, a destroyed area, and when he walked out of that area, he saw Liyahu Nabi, and Liyahu Nabi told him, what did you hear? He says, I heard a voice that sounds like a dove, and saying, Oy lebanim Water to the children that have been kicked out of the table of their father. Imagine a family sitting down, eating a dinner all together, enjoying each other's company, and all of a sudden, one of the children misbehaves, and he's ruining it for everybody. And the father has to throw him out. Do you think the father is happy that the child is kicked off the table? you think in the middle of a Shabbat meal, the father feels good that he kicked his son off the table? Of course not. The son feels bad, and the father feels worse. Because he wants his son to be there. But what can he do? He has to teach him a lesson. What's worse is that the child who's kicked off the table runs away. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to come to the table. Even when you invite him back, he say, come back, son. Come sit on the table. He doesn't want to. That pains the father tremendously. Chadosh Baruch Hu cries every night. My children are not on my table. I had to kick them out. But perhaps he's crying more so is that the child doesn't want to come back to the table. He doesn't want to come back and sit on the table with his father. And that's a source, that's a reason to cry. So therefore, Hakamim told us, it was a special tikkun that at nighttime, but especially that time, Shohan Ruch brings this by the way, this is not a Kabbalistic thing. For some reason, tikkun Hasad is always associated with Mikubalim and mysticism and Kabbalah and not at all this is Shulhan Aruch straight Halakha not just for the Sfaradim it's not only for the people who wear hoods this is for everybody dark skin light skin you're a Jew you want to get into the Beit HaMikdash you want the Beit HaMikdash to re be rebuilt you have a connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. you have a relationship with Hashem some sort of relationship Hashem is suffering Hashem Kibyachol is suffering Hashem is crying over the destruction of Beit HaMikdash and there is just at a decency, there's an obligation for us to join in that suffering. And therefore, the tour brings down already. And even more so, if a person is able to wake up before Alot Shahar to plead in front of Hashem, how beautiful for him. Umatubo, how good for him. As the tour brings down in those times, 
at night, he breaks up the night in different ways. In any case, those times at night, Hashem remembers the Hurban, Upizur Yisrael, and the fact that the Jewish people are spread out throughout Galut, Ben Abde Goyim, Gelulim, between the Goyim, amongst the nations. And the prayer that a person prays at that time, on the destruction of Beit Hamidash, on the exile of the Jewish people, the fact that we're scattered amongst the Goyim, Retsuya, it is very much wanted, Wukrobalit Kabel, and it's very, very close to be accepted. It's a very, very special time. One of the Zmanim of Aitrason is Dafka at that time, but specifically to pray for this. And therefore, the institution of Tikkun Hatzot. Tikkun Hatzot is a person is supposed to say special paragraphs from Tehillim, which these paragraphs were set up by the Arizal to say that nighttime. When at night, not any time at night, but the time of Tikkun Hatzot begins from midnight. Again, midnight means over here, according to Halakha, not 12. It happens to be, it happens to me, you should just know, from about January until the end of February, and this will be in every single year over here in Brooklyn, the time of Hatzot is usually between 12 a.m. and 12.10. So it happens to work out exactly at the same time. But that's Hatzot Laila, and it runs all the way to La'alot al-Shahar. Any time in between 12 and 12.10 a.m., which is Hatzot, until La'alot al-Shahar, is the time for a person to say Tikkun Hatzot. Shohan Aruch doesn't mention what he have to say. He just says like this, It's befitting anybody who's God-fearing that he should, it should bother him and he should worry him on the Hurban Beit HaMikdash. That's what he writes. And David HaMelech was praised. He would praise himself. He would say, that he used to wake up at midnight in order to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In fact, when on the level of David, David Melech and some Mekubalim wake, go to sleep early, wake up by Hatzot, they say Tikkun Hatzot, and they stay up. He would stay up saying Tehillim all the way until the morning. Okay, we're not telling you to do that. Just to say Tikkun Hatzot, Tikkun Hatzot, you find it in most Sidurim, right in the beginning. Ashkenazi Sidurim, Sfaradi Sidurim. Yes, some Sidurim may not have it, you're right. So it's very easy to get it. Get it online, get it anywhere, email us, text us by the station, we'll send it to you. Tikkun Hatzot, don't think it takes so long. Tikkun Hatzot takes 10 minutes if you're a slow reader. If you're a speedy reader, it should take you 7 minutes, 5 to 7 minutes. It's not long, it's very, very short. All you have to do is know about it. And it's not made just for Mikubalim, it's made for anybody. So you can say, yeah, but it's hard to wake up. I don't know if it's so hard at these times. We just, you know, we, 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 I looked at the calendar. You know what time Alot Shahar is in these days between January and February? Alot Shahar is about 6.23, runs from 6.23 a.m. That's the latest time Alot Shahar could be until 5.47 a.m. So if a person, most people are up by 6. So right away, say, Bechot Torah. I'll take you five minutes, just Bechot Torah and Tikkun Hatzot, you'll make it by 6.15 and if you if you tell me no, I, I wake up, I go to sleep a little. I mean, I wake up later. I wake up and sleep a little later. Okay, so apply it at least. So those who do go to sleep later, I ask a lot of people, what time do you go to sleep? Most people told me after twelve, after Hatzot. So why don't you say Tikkun Hatzot? What do you what do you lose? Is this apply only to men? Answer is Mahlokit. 
according to Ben Yishai, only men should say Tikkun Hatzot, not women. According to the Kafah Hayim, women could also say Tikkun Hatzot. What should you do? Ask your Rabbi. Now, before I get to the next part of the Halakha, I want to point out something very important. Tikkun Hatzot, although it's brought down in Shohan Aruch, but like anything else that's brought down, but it's not a strict obligation, if a person will see that if he, that if he does Tikkun Hatzot, he will end up ruining and messing up other primary things, important things, then don't, you know, don't, don't drive yourself crazy. It's easier to do. I mean, the reason why I'm speaking about these halachot around the Asadah Betevet is for besides that the fact that we're commemorating the destruction of Beit Hamidash, also it's the time when Hatzot is very early. Sometimes Hatzot can be as early as 11:40. So that's why I mentioned in those times a person should read should be able to do the great mezuzah of Tikkun Hatzot. However, sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes in the summer, the time span that you have to say Tikkun Hatzot is about four hours, from about 1 a.m until about 4.35 a.m. That's very little bit of time. And sometimes a person has to wake up in the middle of the night, it disturbs his sleep, he can't, he doesn't get a good sleep, and then he can't function the next day. So in those cases, I'll tell you, okay, you know what, it's too much for you, don't do it. But at times when you're up anyway, you came back from a wedding late, you see Tchatzot, sit down and say, Tikkun Hatzot. How do you say Tikkun Hatzot? What's to be done? Open up first of all to Tikkun Hatzot in the beginning of the Siddur. You can see Two parts of Tikkun Hatzot. One is called Tikkun Rahel, and one is called Tikkun Le'ah. If you're going to read the Halakhot, you're going to say, oh, hey, I can't do these Halakhot, because Halakha says you're supposed to sit on the floor, cry over the Beit HaMikdash, cry over the death of the Tzaddikim, cry over all the tragedies that befell the Jewish people, take some ashes, put it on your head. That's what it says. You know what, if you could do that, unbelievable. The Baba Sali, great Tzaddikim, used to do that. If you can't do that, those things, those conditions are not me'akiv. That means you could still do tikkun hatzot by just reading, if you have no feelings at all. The Rabbi Alim was asked, right in the beginning of the Halak Alif, people asked him, listen, I say tikkun hatzot, but I don't understand even the words I'm saying, I don't have any feelings, I'm usually tired. Should I say it anyway? He says, yes. If you don't understand what you're saying, Say it anyway. It does a lot. You should know the benefits are brought down in Seferim for a person who does say Tikkun Hatzot are unbelievable. It's, it gives you a lot, a lot of benefits. You have a special place in Hashem's heart. Can you imagine a person is mourning? He's mourning a tremendous loss that he has and then he's sitting down crying and nobody's crying with him. Imagine you come and you sit next to him and you cry with him or you just sit next to him, you know? cry, you can't cry because you don't, you can't relate to his loss, but you want to show your concern, you want to show your sympathy. Kibiachol Hashem is crying over the Beit HaMikdash, and we as the children who are the cause for that crying, are not showing that we care. Yeah, we can't cry, so what should we do, just run away? No, come and sit down next to him. Sit down on the floor, and read at least what it says. Read what it says in Tikkun Hatzot. Just read the words if you don't understand. Show at least Hashem that you care a little bit. And again, that's Tikkun Ahel and Tikkun Le'ah. Just read those words. It takes you between 7 to 10 minutes. That Hashem says, you know what? Ah, you're showing you care. You're showing that you care. You're sympathizing with me. Fine. You have a special place in Hashem's heart. I heard this story. I didn't see it inside. But there was a great Rav that was trying to print out his Sefarim. 
And every time he was trying to print it, you know, I guess it was much harder back then to print, it wouldn't go through. He decided to accept upon himself to say Tikkun Hatzot, and all of a sudden he saw tremendous Siyatah Dishmaya, and his Seferim were printed, and they were accepted amongst the Jewish people. I forgot the Rav's name, I didn't see it inside, I heard it from a good source though, but I didn't need that story to prove it to me, because you just read what it says in the Sfarim, in the Zohar, in Mikubalim, about the greatness of Tikkun Hatzot, and you'll understand. Some quick halakhot about Tikkun Hatzot. There are days, not every day do we say the full Tikkun Hatzot. Like we mentioned this, Tikkun Nahin, Tikkun Le'ah. The following days, we skip everything in Tikkun Hatzot. We, never, we don't say Tikkun Hatzot. When is that? Shabbat and Yom Tov. Remember, this is done at night. So it means Lil Shabbat, Friday night, or Lil Hag. We never say Tikkun Hatzot. Even if you want to, you shouldn't say it. There's no, we don't mourn the destruction of Beit HaMikdash on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Holam Mu'ayd, however, is a little tricky. Only Holam Mu'ayd Pesach, we don't say Tikkun Hatzot. In Holam Mu'ayd of Sukkot, we do say Tikkun Hatzot, but not the full Tikkun Hatzot. We only say Tikkun Le'ah. And that, that leads us to the next halakha. Whenever the next day is a day where all of the Jewish people will say, which means they will not say Tahanun, like for example Rosh Chodesh, or if it's, uh, let's say, Tu Bishbat coming up, then that night beforehand, you skip Tikkun Rahel, and you also skip, there's a small paragraph in Tikkun Le'ah as well, that's, that is also skipped. Also, the days of the Omer, between Pesach and Shavuot, we skip also, Rahel, all the days, from the beginning of Pesach until Shavuot, the days of, of Sfirat HaOmer, we don't say Tikkun Rahel, we only say Tikkun Le'ah. In Eretz Israel, being that this is year is a Shemitah year, they skip Tikkun Rahel throughout the whole year, but that's only in Eretz Israel. One last halakha regarding Tikkun Hatzot, and that is, Mishnah writes, I mean, excuse me, that is, if a person wakes up in the middle of the night, let's say you want to sleep a regular sleep. You want to sleep 10, 11 o'clock, that's before Hatzot. You woke up at 3 a.m. and you said, you know what, I'm up anyway. I could spend 10 minutes, let me say Tikkun Hatzot, but I'm planning to go back to sleep. So what should you do now? Because the Tehillim that you're going to read is considered Torah, could you just read it as a Tefillah, or do you have to say because of Torah? So the recommendation, what you should do is as follows. Wash your hands in the Tilat Say the brachot of the Torah, and then after you say the brachot of the Torah, say tikkun hatzon. Go back to that. the question is, what do you do when you wake up? And for this, you meet, need to make sure of the following point: when you go to sleep, I'm excuse me, when you wake up from your sleep and you plan to say brachot of the Torah, have in mind that I want my brachot of the Torah to be effective now and also when I wake up. If he's saying Bukhata Torah in the middle of the night and you plan to go back to sleep, you can do like the Hidah says, that I have in mind that my Bukhata Torah should be for right now, I'm about to say Tikkun Hatzot, and when I wake up. And this is when you wake up, you don't have to repeat Bukhata Torah. Bukhata Shahar, if he didn't say it, so now of course you say it. Those are some quick halakhot regarding Tikkun Hatzot. If anybody has a question, we have a call. I hope it works. Hello? Hello? We couldn't get you on, I'm sorry. You could call back if you have a question. Anybody has a question, you could call in 718-683-5858 or you could text in your question to 347-927-8398.
We discussed the halakhot of Asara Betevet. We discussed also the background to the three days of fasting in Asara Bet- in, in the month of Tevet, Hetevet, Tetevet, and Yutevet. We discussed the halakhot of Tikkun Hatzot. And now we're going to move on to something, and this I'll tell you from the beginning, it is more Kabbalistic. And what is that? That is Shovavim. Shovavim begins, the weeks of Shovavim usually begin on Motza'e Shabbat Parashat Vayahi. Motza'e Shabbat Parashat Vayahi is really technically the beginning of the week of Parashat Shemot. And therefore, because it's the beginning of the week of, of Parashat Shemot, there are special weeks Six weeks of known as the weeks of Shovavim. What are they? What's the practicality of it? Let's begin with a little bit of a background. The word Shovavim is actually an acronym. It's a Rashi Tevod. The word Shovavim, each letter it represents a different parasha. The parashiot from Shemot, parashat Shemot, until parashat Mishpatim makes up the word Shovavim. Shin, Vav, Bet, Bet, Yud, Mem. Shin, is Shemot, Vav is Va'era, Bet is Bo, the second Bet is Beshalah, Yud is Yitro, and finally Mem is Mishpatim. Six weeks, beginning from Motzei Shabbat, Parashat Ve'chiyah, until Shabbat, Parashat Mishpatim, every single year, the Mikubalim point out, the Arizal that is, and all the other Mikubalim, and all the Sfarim talk a lot about it, especially the Chassidish Sfarim, these weeks are very, very special weeks. These weeks are mesugal. These weeks are made for a person to do teshuvah. There's an extra siyata deshmaya. There's an extra extra divine assistance in these days for a person who wants to do teshuvah. But specifically, not teshuvah in general, but specifically to areas of ta'avot and things have to do with the mouth. Anything that has to do with lotaturu or how you use your mouth, that's what you find on Shovevim. Sfarim bring down that the soul, there were special souls that came down to the world in the generation of Mitzrayim. And these souls need to be in the Tkan, these souls need to be fixed. And in the weeks that we read about the Jewish people being in Egypt and coming out of Egypt, which basically runs in the Torah from Parashat Shemot until Parashat Mishpatim, when they finally received the Torah, that's when they get the tikkun. We live through the parashiyot, and therefore by our actions and our reading that we do on a weekly basis from the Sefer and Shul, we could affect these souls that could very possibly be our souls as well. That's the small and short idea of Shavivim, especially Le'otohet, especially for that famous sin that's known by men. That's what the weeks of Shavivim are meant for, Practically, how a person should do it, what a person should do, Sfarim bring down any area that has to do with ta'avot or your mouth, a person should be careful in. Ta'avot, be careful what you look at. You know what? Maybe you stumble throughout the year that you don't you know, keep uh, off certain websites. Again, they might not be taref 100%, but they're not so kosher either. Make sure these are the weeks to work ex- extra hard on it. You don't have a filter on your phone. You're, you're trying to convince yourself you want to, but you can't get yourself to get a filter on your phone. You feel you're going to be very limited. This is the time. You get, go get a filter on your phone. Go get a filter on the internet you have in the house. Protect your house. Don't let these not kosher magazines come close to your house. This is all 
time to this is has to do with ta'avot. You want to go extra level. Now, by the way, what we just said is even according to halakha. But if a person wants to work on it, you have extra in these weeks. However, regarding extra things that you want to do, Sfarim bring down people used to fast. Some people used to fast from Motsa'i Shabbat until Arab Shabbat. They're only eating on Shabbat. <laughs> I don't know anybody who does that today. Personally, maybe I've heard of some people. I don't know anybody who does that today. People do fast. People do fast today from Mon- on Mondays and Thursdays in Shobavim. Some people I know fast on a daily basis sometimes, but they'll eat at night. But the old Sadiqim used to fast night and day. That's whoa, that's way beyond me and I believe beyond us. But if you can't fast even, then you could do at least something else. Cut down on certain ta'avot. Not that it's not kosher. It's kosher, it's mutar. But cut down on it. Shovevim is a time to cut down on certain ta'avot. Especially in these six weeks. Also, mitzvot have to do with the mouth. Proper speech, lashon hara. There's a lot of politics going on in Eretz Israel. We all know it's before elections, all these things. This is Mamash in the Sayon, in the weeks of Shovevim. Be careful what you listen to, be careful what you speak about. Not everything that's on these websites, even with so-called Jewish websites, Jewish news sites, not everything that's there is mutar. I don't know, maybe Rov is not mutar, especially with these politics. This one said this about this, this one that said this. What is it there to talk like? What is it there to talk about people who are observant? Okay, so the people made mistakes. Let's say they made mistakes. Who gave me the heter? If I go to a certain person and he tells me something negative about you, and I come and report it to you, I'm doing an isud de'orait of rechilut. Who gives me the right now to tell you that he, this is what he said about you? Or to publicize it? We have to be careful what we use our mouths for. If you're a person who's careful in Lashon Hara, use, de- designate your mouth more for Torah and Tefillah, Tehillim, add more. Things have to do with the mouth. Berachot should be said properly. Berachot encompasses both things. It's ta'ava, because you're making, you're eating. And same time, you're also, it's your mouth. You're making the blessings on the food that you're eating. All these things, Rabotai, a person has to be careful in these days. Learn more Torah. Watch your speech. Give more tzedakah. Be careful with the, what you look at, what you think about. And especially, we have to emphasize, these days have to be careful. The Sfarim bring down, instead of fasting, because we're so weak, we can't fast. I think it's the Kutzka Rebbe who says, it's better a person to fast from speaking. You want to do real Ta'anit? Do the physical Ta'anit, which is going to make you weaker and going to lose the whole purpose of it. Do a Ta'anit of words. Especially those who are learning. If you're learning one hour, if you're learning a full day, learning a few Sedarim, you should... Watch your mouth at least in the time of learning. And Mazat Hashem, that will bring a tikkun to those souls and to our souls. And Mazat Hashem, we should see the rebuilding of Beit HaMikdash. And instead of these days of mourning, they should turn to days of Simha. We're going to finish here. Anyone who has a question could call into the station. We'll be here for a few more minutes. 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text us, 347-927-8398. Next week, we'll continue again on Wednesday afternoon between 2 to 3 a.m.